today is Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 50. And in this passage, what we're going to see is that uh, Jesus is more than you will ever need and better than you can ever imagine. And we're going to see this through uh, five different personality traits of Jesus. We're going to see that he's abundant, satisfying, cheerful, understanding, and accepting. You know, the resurrection, which we just celebrated on Sunday, didn't change his appearance at all. He still looked like the same Jesus that for three years was teaching uh, throughout the countryside. You know, he had his pierced hands, his pierced feet. He had a, a gashed head from the crown of thorns, and he had a, um, a, a huge hole in his side, and his back was, was just all torn up from the whips. You see, um, he was a very same person, um, even though he was in his heavenly faith state. Um, you know, and the Bible says that Jesus is still recognizable in that human form now. John 1.32 says, we know that when he appears, we shall uh, be like him because we will see him as he is. So something changed in his bodily form. I don't know what it was, but, you know, he's able to walk through doors. But the eternal God never had a problem with bending the rules of physics or of nature. Uh, the key is, here's the key, guys, his body was still there. This is the kingdom of God, the simple gospel. And one of the gospel truths is that not only was his body the same, his personality was still the same. You see, the way he spoke to people, his, his loving tone, and sometimes his harsh rhetoric are exactly the same today as they were then. You see, he sometimes called people hypocrites, perverse, faithless. Uh, he even called uh, some guy a sly old fox. You know, but he never had to sugarcoat his words because everything he said was true and sinless. So in, in all these accounts of the Bible that we see, we see that Jesus is fundamentally an emotional person. Uh, he is permanently human. And the resurrection proved that. You see, he ate, he touched people. And, and why would that change between the, his resurrection and now? In every funeral you've, you've probably been to, the preacher says, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who shall change our bodies and fashion them anew to be like his own body. You see, Jesus has a body. And he, he has a personality that is great. You know, in fact, uh, Jesus had the absolute Think of this, the best personality of all time. There was no personality that was better than him. And, you know, we sometimes just make Bible study too hard or too deep, and we don't see the simple truth of his body, his heart, his character, his tender but tough communication style. Uh, you know, he genuinely cared about people, and in our passages today, we'll see that he, he was able to heal sick people, make lame people walk, make blind people see, sick people well, because uh, the kingdom of God um, is about compassion. 
both for the soul and for the body of mankind. It's not one or the other. You see, in Luke uh, chapter 9, uh, Jesus gave even these special powers to his disciples. So they went on the countryside and they were able to heal people, exercise demons, and he even gave them a personality to preach and to preach well. They were well-chosen men that God empowered. So Luke chapter 9 has several individual events, but the text is simple. Let's keep it real simple this morning. It's 6 a.m. We got to trust what Jesus said to be true. That's all we have to do. So it's one thing to parse verbs, to study deep into the context and know about the atonement, um, the, the justification, the sanctification, all these big terms. It's one thing to do that, but it's another um, to get to the basics, the simple, the facts about the heart of Jesus. Remember Matthew, he said, I am gentle and lowly in heart. He is humble, meek, gentle, never trigger happy. He's the most understanding person, the best listener, the most affectionate man that was ever on this earth was Jesus. You see, we don't have to collect ourselves and be perfect because um, the burden of our sins is exactly what draws us closer to him. You see, it, it qualifies us to come to him because we have sins and burdens. That's exactly what he came here for. Remember he said, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. So the absolute best rest on this side of heaven only can come through Jesus Christ. And he offers that to us. It's pretty amazing. So he never gets tired of giving us rest. You know, I, I really, as studying this passage, think it's, it's hard or almost impossible to overemphasize the emotional nature of Jesus Christ in these passages and of what the kingdom of God really is. So technical teaching is good, but sometimes simple songs say so much, right? You know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Simple truth that changes our lives. So, you know, Jesus is fundamentally better than the absolute best thing the world has to offer. That is what the kingdom of God teaches us. There's no greater tragedy or error of judgment than to not focus on who Jesus was as a person. You know, but, but we as men don't, don't want to get vulnerable and emotional, right? You know, we, we like to fix things. Uh, we we want to find problems and get them done. We don't want to get to the heart because it makes us not feel safe if we get vulnerable, right? But life isn't safe, and faith isn't safe. And if faith was safe, it wouldn't be faith at all, right? Faith has to be in an unsafe uh, place. So when we get vulnerable and when we get tender, I have to ask you, how manly man do you think you are? Are you manly man enough to get tender with Jesus right now this morning? Um, so let's get into the passage. Luke 9 has a tremendous amount of data points, but we're going to see that, uh, you know, there were, there were several things, and it's on your sheet. The kingdom of God is obvious. Jesus is abundant. We're going to see in, in the first few verses in uh, chapter 9, 1 through 9, we're going to see that people were confused. And 
the disciples were sent out. People in some towns just rejected what the disciples said, and Jesus said, just kick the dust off your ground, off your feet, and just keep on going. Uh, you know, there was like Herod. He was just perplexed with who this Jesus was. Um, you know, Jesus is so abundant. He's so, here's word of the day, non-parsimonious. John 6, 37 says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That's the gospel right there. Jesus did miracles right in front of their eyes, but there were people that were still so confused. You know, as we're studying the book of Revelation on Sunday nights, some of us were going to get to the millennial kingdom of Christ. And in the millennial kingdom of Christ, there are going to be people uh, for a thousand years when Jesus reigns in the flesh on the earth. People are going to see him as he is. There are going to be people who are born who still reject him. And they're going to see the miracles right in front of their very eyes. And at the end of the millennial kingdom, Revelation tells us that uh, Satan is going to gather all those people and they're going to have one final rebellion against Jesus. Can you imagine being in the presence of Jesus, having him right beside you and still denying him? Hmm. That's interesting. So, you know, there are people here. There are people that are in good homes. There are people that are in good churches, in good Bible studies, who still reject Jesus, and it's at their own peril because they will be lost for eternity. But Jesus is here welcoming. The kingdom of God is abundant. Um, but there were just confused people. So, uh, you know, as we look at uh, the next section, we'll see that there are hungry people and that Jesus is absolutely satisfying. In verses uh, 10 through 17, we're going to see that people were physically hungry, and Jesus took five loaves and two fishes, and he fed them all. And here's the interesting thing, guys. There were leftovers. There was so much more of Jesus left that they had buckets full of leftovers because Jesus is absolutely satisfying. And so as we look at this miracles, we got to remember that, that miracles are not uh, an interruption of the natural order of things. They are putting <laughs> creation right back to where they should be. Um, you know, John Goodwin, a Puritan preacher, he said this about miracles. This keeps up his heart, his care, and his love unto his children here below to water and refresh them every moment. Jesus waters and refreshes us every moment with miracles in our own lives. Ephesians 5.29 says this. He said, we are members of his own body. As Jesus satisfies us, it satisfies himself. He is all sufficient. He is everything that we need. You're not in danger. He's never going to let you go. You're written uh, on the palm of the Father's hand. Jesus is not going to let us go. Uh, you're not in danger. You're safe. You're secure. He is so satisfying beyond our wildest dreams. You can face every fear, and you can be satisfied in the person of Jesus. So, you know, he had to die. He had to die because through that death, he satisfies the penalty of sin for each one of us. So I hope that you're just uh, eating on the bounty of who Jesus is. He's ultimately uh, the only thing that can satisfy our hearts. So the, the third thing I saw in this, and, and you might say, oh, this is a stretch. I don't see it in the text. But the kingdom of God is better than life. And Jesus is cheerful about it. 
He's always cheerful about it. In verses 18 through 27, Jesus spoke about his execution. Uh, you know, many have been executed for their faith. And in 1529, William Tyndale and everybody that helped him translate the Bible into English, they were burned at the stake. And they went to that death with joy, knowing that if you have Jesus, you have everything. And he is absolutely better than life. They went cheerfully. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. So there was something that gave Jesus great joy to go to the cross. So his joy, his comfort, his happiness is increased, is enlarged when we go to him. It gives Jesus more joy. It fills him up when we realize that he is the penalty for our sins. He did that willingly. And, you know, Jesus doesn't have just lukewarm love for us. You know, Jesus has ultimate love for us, the best love for us. He is so incredibly emotional. And, uh, you know, he, he does this and he, he asks us to allow him to conquer every sin that is besetting us right here this morning. That's what he yeah, He said, you know, give your greed, your lust, your anger, your depression, your pride. He, he said, put it on my back. So in, in essence, when we sin and we give our sins to Jesus, it is putting it on his shoulders and weighing him down on that cross that he was crucified on 2,000 years ago. And he says, put it on my back because it gives me joy. So maybe this morning there's something that he needs to show you uh, that you need to put on his back. Put it on there. He can take it. He's got a strong back. He's got the strongest back. So the fourth point I want you to see is that the kingdom of God uh, requires that we listen. And I'm going to so show you in this that Jesus is ultimately the most understanding person in the whole uh, universe that ever existed. In verses 28 through 36, we see that the three disciples see Jesus in the form that he's going to be uh, in heaven, his eternal form. They see his body, um, and, you know, they were, they were sitting around, and they were sleepy. But, but, and they said, hey, Jesus, let us pitch a tent. Let's take this moment uh, where, where we can never let you go. But Jesus said, I can't do that because my, my mind is set on the cross. What I've come to do has not yet been finished. But the disciples saw Elijah and they saw Moses and they said, we want to capture this one moment. So Jesus um, listens to sinners. And when a sinner is set free from their sins, they're able to be in his presence. His wishes are accomplished. Uh, they wanted to set up the kingdom right there and then, but they didn't understand that once Jesus died, the spirit comes and he's going to be with us ever so more. Jesus is closer now to you than he's ever been because the spirit, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, resides in your heart. You have him right there. The, the tent is pitched in you. That is where you set up camp. Jesus has set up camp in you. The kingdom of God requires that we listen, but we as men are not good listeners. But Jesus understands. He understands. And he's pleased when we go to him with our misunderstanding because he, he can accept us. In uh, Hosea 11.8, um, we see, here's another word of the day, anthropopathism. This is attributing a uh, human characteristic to a divine. Just thought I'd give you a big word there. Um, but uh, Hosea says that, that when we reject the understanding of God, 
Kate says, my heart recoils within me. Tell me that, that God does not have emotions. Uh, that's, that's pretty clear in scripture. Uh, don't make his heart sick. Don't make his heart sick. Trust him. That's what the kingdom of God is about. The disciples got it wrong, and we get it wrong. Don't have so much pride that you think that you're uh, better than those foolish disciples. No, we're, we're the same. We are the same. Um, so the, uh, the fifth thing I want to show you is uh, that the kingdom of God is about God. It's not about my glory. It's not about who I am. The kingdom of God is about God because Jesus is accepting of all of us. You see, uh, uh, it's a basic truth that gets lost in our own pride, our own self-centeredness. You know, the, G the disciples, they couldn't exercise a demon. Um, they argued about who is better than each other. They even argued that other people are preaching about Jesus and they're trying to heal people and we don't want them to. And Jesus is like, no, I'm accepting of all people. Jesus is the most accepting being that there ever has been. Uh, so Jesus levied this accusation. If you, you look in the text, he says, oh, believing and, uh, and perverse generation, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. He was not just speaking to the crowds of people. He was pointing at the disciples, <laughs> perverse and unbelieving generation. Uh, you see, Jesus was completely honest. Um, you know, they should have known better, right? They should have known better because uh, they were with Jesus. But, you know, Satan has power. And he influenced them. Uh, the theologian Jorgen Moltmann said this, and I quote, when Jesus expels demon and heals the sick, he is driving out creation, the powers of destruction, and is healing and restoring created beings who are hurt and sick. They are not supernatural things in a natural world. They are the only true things in a world that is unnatural, demonized, and wounded. Jesus restores these things. Martin Luther said that um, the devil is still God's devil, and he can control him. Jesus engages with our troubles. He engages with Satan uh, through our troubles, through our temptations, and he understands them comprehensively, yet he still accepts us. Isn't that an amazing truth? Don't you love our Savior? Uh, if we don't recognize how sinful we are, um, it's okay, because you know what? We'll never recognize how sinful you are because of your sin. <laughs> it's impossible. We know the tip of the iceberg, but Jesus knows everything that is under the water, and he still loves us. He still accepts us, and he, he loves us to the depth of our unbelieving and perverse hearts. I, I, I can't comprehend. I can't comprehend why God loves me so much. So listen, Jesus suffers when we suffer. He is pained when we're afraid to ask. The disciples were afraid to talk to him about things. It said right in the text. Uh, but he is pained for us. He, he has pain when we're afraid to ask. He has pain when we don't want to lean on his side because he's, he's on our side, but he's also on the side of other people that worship differently than we do. You know, the disciples tried to complicate things. They thought they were better than everybody else. They thought they had all the answers. And what Jesus did is he took a little child and says he took him and, and held him in front and said, your faith needs to be simple like the simple little child. Don't complicate things. Keep the easy stuff easy. Uh, there, there's no reason 
to make it any more difficult, nothing equals that loving personality that Jesus showed, that simple personality of love and compassion. And, you know, he's always, always waiting there to warmly embrace us, always waiting there. And despite his presence in heaven today, like I said, he's closer than you could ever imagine because his spirit dwells within us. This makes him more approachable than ever. He's more approachable than ever. He's just as open and tender. And, you know, he is in love with terrible sinners, of, of which I am. Hebrews 4.15 says that he sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. He knows your weakness. He knows what gets you down. And he loves you still. And he wants you to make him your everything. So as Jesus sits in heaven right now, he intercedes to the Father for me, for you. He sits there. And he, he goes before the judge. And he approaches the bench. And he said... I paid for their freedom. You know, so the intercession that he does for us applies what the cross accomplished. And he's doing that continually for us. It's amazing. So uh, you and I, you know, we, we find it hard to show emotions, don't we? I mean, we're tough men. I'm uncomfortable with, with crying. I'm uncomfortable with talking about my softer side. But you know what? I got to ask you, is, is Jesus enough for you growing up I sang a lot of hymns and when I, I read scripture I always think of those hymns simple songs I need no other argument I need no other plea it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me oh, gets me I love studying the Bible I love like Martin Luther said we find God in a book but I'm not in love with a book. I'm in love with a person. We often get bogged down and we try to do it too hard and try to do it too academic, but I'm not in love with a book. I'm in love with a person. I am in love with Jesus and he's in love with me. <laughs> Jesus is absolutely more, absolutely more than you'll ever need. And he's better than you can ever imagine. He's abundant. He's satisfying, he's cheerful, he's understanding, and he's accepting. Jesus, you're enough for me. You know, you're sensible people. You're here at 6 a.m. You figure it out, right? You figure it out, you're sensible. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much for base camp and just the life it gives me, just the hope it gives me. And for each man here who got up early and dragged their way here, Lord, uh, you have a message for us. And sometimes it's just a simple message of repentance, of not seeing Jesus for who he is and, and, and not really applying that to our hearts. We might know all the facts, but uh, Lord, I know you're not about academics. You're about our heart. And Lord, we give our heart to you this morning. I pray that you just bless us as we go into our rooms and have discussions. Uh, Lord, may we be honest with each other and, and not be afraid, not be afraid of our emotional side, but be able to give that all to you because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Uh, Lord, he is absolutely better than 
better than life, better than anything I could ever imagine, more than I'll ever need. Lord, I thank you that there's always leftovers that can satisfy my heart. Uh, Lord, bless us all. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.